This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, constant power outages are taking a toll on Ukrainians. Stefan Berko, lawyer and democracy advocate, shares his experiences of living through blackouts as a dad, as a husband, a partner in his family, trying to build a life under these circumstances and unexpected ways that power outages are impacting Ukrainians with some of the simple things in life. Are mobile phones becoming a hacker's dream? Handy Andy Barrar has tips on securing your phone and some of the dangers of TikTok. Plus, three things you need to do to your phone if you're over 50 are you okay with nascar and more on the shift daily podcast this is the shift podcast are you okay with meteor showers i've never seen a big shower you know like where you watch it for a long time i've seen streaks you know like a shooting star or a couple quick back to back but Mm. it's really amazing when you watch Mm. it happen and my buddy max he was camping with his wife and a meteor came into the atmosphere and he said when the meteor you know broke through the atmosphere it lit up the night sky as if it was broad daylight yeah, like I was a flare, so yeah. jealous that he could have seen that for a split second. So hopefully one yeah. day, but in okay. the meantime, yeah, I'm to watch them. Meteor showers are really cool. I'm just more of a meteor bath guy. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, I had an answer, but now I just can't, I can't. Can you give up already? No, you just can't what? say anything after the that. First one, yeah. the one first dad one. joke and you're out. Yeah, hey? it's a, tap it's a oh, good God. dad joke, though, Brendan. It's a good one. Yeah, it's, it's too easy. Yeah. We just walked into that. Yeah, that's not too easy. That's that was creative. I get dad creative. points. Uh-huh. Uh huh. All right. Well, I mean, I wish I was. I do wish I was somewhere else, but no, I wish I was in a rural. <laughs> I wish I was somewhere rural, uh, you know, away from the city lights. Then I think a meteor shower would be really cool. Yeah, outside. But I mean, I'm usually, like I say, the power outage back in 2003 in St. Catharines when there was no lights. And I actually saw stars for like, I think the first time ever. I was like, wow, there's a beautiful sky up there. That's what stars look like. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, it's really spectacular uh, when it happens. I mean, they do light it up. If you see, you know, even sort of just that meteor that just streaks across the sky and isn't so close, it's really cool. It gets your attention. Now, it's very cool when the meteors are in the sky. They're not very cool when the meteors fall out of the sky a little too close to home. A man in California is dealing with the aftermath of the destruction of his home. He thinks... A meteor is to blame for an explosion. People around here are uh, multi-generational cattle farmers or ranchers. Rolling hills where cattle graze. Where nothing happens. Heard a big bang. I started to smell smoke and I went onto my porch and it was completely engulfed in flames. Until Friday night. I'd open spaces. This was out on kind of a farm cattle ranch area and yeah, not much around it. It appears this bright ball of light, which lit up the dark northern California sky around 7.30, landed in the middle of nowhere. What do you think hit hit your house? They said it was a meteor. I've, I've always watched meteor showers and stuff as a kid, but I uh, definitely didn't look forward to them landing in my yard or through my roof. I did not see what it was, but from everybody I talked to, it was a 
flaming ball falling from the sky and landed in that general area. The Penn Valley Fire Department, along with Cal Fire, battled the flames for hours. Meteorite, asteroid, one of those tail. And are now investigating what started the fire in this rural area. Well, I had one individual tell me about it first and like, okay, just well, I'll put that in the back of my mind, but then more people, two, three, four more started coming in and talking about it. Meteorite or asteroid, aren't those actually the same thing except one is way up there and one is coming at you? Uh, yeah. I feel like Andrew Ferreira would be disappointed yeah. in us and not, not knowing yeah. the... Space rocks. I feel like asteroids are bigger and bigger and and us if one hits. As meteors are just little debris things, then they can just you know put a hole in your roof. We're all wrong. Ryan's going to start to sound all like a nerd here for a second. Yeah, we're all wrong. I got the difference. Okay. According to NASA, an asteroid is a small rocky object that orbits the sun. A meteor is what happens when a small piece of an asteroid or comet burns up upon entering Earth's atmosphere. So a meteor is what, you know, heads towards us, and an asteroid is orbiting something or heading okay. towards the sun. Okay. okay, so we're close, though. We're close. Right. Twice in one night. Don't get I, to do that. I got to make up. I haven't been on the show for a week. I got to make up it's for true. lost time, guys. That report was from uh, ABC4 News, by the way. Officials told the farmer there uh, was a one in a trillion chance of that happening. NASA has one explanation. The southern Torrid's meteor showers are taking place right now with the peak happening this uh, this past weekend. So there you go. Watch the lunar eclipse and pretty fancy stuff. Well, it's not really a fancy, just the moon goes dark, but still cool. All right. Oh, let's start the next one here with a clip. Actually, let's start it just wildly. Just give her. Hit it. I'm going to drive, and I'm going to go fast, and I'm going to turn to the left, Sam James. <laughs> Are you okay with? <laughs> NASCAR. Turn to the left. Meep, meep. Yeah, turn to the left. I actually, it's grown on me quite a lot. I thought it was amazing when I was a kid. And then when I was kind of in a teen, I thought this is the boring. I'd rather watch Formula One. But I don't know. NASCAR, when you watch it, when you actually sit down and watch a race, there's definitely something to it. The passionate fan base and also the fashion. I love the designs of all the, like, the outfit, like the racing gear, the hats. People are spending $300 on used NASCAR jackets at vintage stores. It's a huge trend right now. And uh, it's. I'm um, interested to see how the sport kind of makes a comeback with uh, millennials and Gen Z. Uh, I don't think it I'm will. not quite sure anybody's ever said NASCAR and fashion in the same I, sentence before, Ryan. Like this could be look new. it up. Yeah, Trust look me, it up. look yeah. it up. I'm telling you, <laughs> I got a Dale Earnhardt uh, Jr. hat with the tag oh, nice. still on it in my closet right now. Nice. Yeah. Well, I I was big into it as a child. Uh, sort of fell out, and I think that I, I know they're trying to make a push to come back, but there's a couple of key problems with NASCAR. For one, the events are like four freaking hours long. They're endurances. People don't have those atten- like that type of attention span anymore. Uh, two, they sell four-door sedans. That's what they race. People mm. don't buy those types of cars anymore at all. Right. Mm. And it's That's it's like point. Ford Mustangs and Toyota Camry. Like these cars are all kind of like on the outs as it is. So I don't know if they can make a comeback. I know they're trying. 
they've added in they've added in right turns. I know recently they do a lot more mm-hmm. road course racing. It's called now to try to compete with Formula One, which has an yep. uptick here in North America. Now the thing about that's very different between NASCAR and Formula One. Formula One's very finesse and engineering, and NASCAR mm-hmm. is uh, knock the guy out of the way and put him in the wall type. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, NASCAR. And they've really encouraged that over the last few years, and it's gotten to the point where it's almost video gamey. It's just like the skill is out of it. Like when I used to watch it, they wouldn't knock each other out of the way because there was the threat of death. There was the very real threat of killing your competitor, and it happened from time to time. Now there's been so many safety advancements that nobody gets hurt anymore. So now they just knock people out of the way. There's almost no skill. It's like I'll put one on, and it's like the guy in second place catches up to the guy in first place, stuffs him in the wall, and then goes on to win the race. And it's like, okay, well, it's pretty lowbrow entertainment sometimes. It is. It is. You're true. It's true. And the, the sort of finesse that comes with Formula One is is very much there. So, okay, so there you go. Now we understand there's more to it than, than is going on. I still don't subscribe to this whole fashion thing, but whatever. Um they're trying to bring popularity back is what they're trying to do. The momentum of these things catching on is good. Now, Ryan says all the kids are wearing the NASCAR shirts and jackets playing the NASCAR video games. Well, as, as Brendan described, you have this finesse of F1, but on NASCAR, it's kind of video gamey smash them, crash them up, right? Well, somebody did just that. They did the impossible, the kind of thing that can only happen in the video game that Brennan's talking about. Ross Chastain was, <laughs> pardon me, was in 10th place. Chastain was in 10th place. I was trying to say Chastain, but then my voice cracked on me. Uh, in 10th place on the brink of elimination on the last lap. Then he saw an opening. Instead of slowing down on the turn because there was cars in front of him, Chastain shifted into fifth gear and gunned it. On the wall, on the outside, the left turn, the final turn, riding the outside wall, scraping it as he went, and passing five cars to finish fifth in fifth place after basically purposefully crashing into the wall. Here are the drivers reacting to the move. Now, that's kind of just the general attitude, right? Like, when you see NASCAR, yeah. they're all impressed. They're like, holy cow, did he just pull that off? If that was F1, you would hear them swearing like, this guy's going to kill us all. Oh, my God, did he do that? We need to complain to the steward. Like, it would be this whole <laughs> proper, right? That's what would happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's the difference. Is one is like, wow, he pulled it off. I can't believe he did it. Um, and the other one is just not like that. Now, here's a better rundown that's easier to hear from NASCAR TV. We're supposed to be yeah. racing in the Xfinity Series a couple of years ago. That ride got pulled away from him. It looked as though his career in NASCAR was done. Take a look again at what just happened. Ross Chastain used the wall all the way around this racetrack to race his way into the championship four. He went from 10th to 5th place on that last lap. Wow. So there you go. In post-race interview with NBC Sports, Chastain said, I played a lot of NASCAR 2005 on the GameCube with Chad, his brother. 
growing up and you can get away with it. And I never knew if it would actually work. I did that when I was eight years old. So there you go. It was the fastest lap in 75 years. He went as fast as he could, scraped the wall, beat up the car and came in fifth after being out of all the points and all the things. And then uh, in his last race this past weekend, he came in third. Actually, he yeah. came in 3D. He didn't come he in third. In, he did not ram the wall. But you want to know something else ridiculous about that lap? He was mm. in fifth place, and he his lap time was two seconds faster than who the guy who finished in first place from ramming the wall. And the wow. damage on the car and the dash cam footage of inside Chastain's car, it rattles so much that the camera cuts in and out. And he wow. just goes for it. It's I, I couldn't believe my eyes. Yeah. It was one of the most amazingly stupid things I've ever seen in sports. And I'm so happy he did yeah, it and I, that he didn't. It was wild. It was it wild. Was wild. I, as yeah. I said last week, I used to do it on those old games back in the yes. day because you could do it. And people always thought it was a way to cheat on the game to like beat the computer cars if you were way behind. Just gun it, go full and you know, wide open around the corner, scraping the wall, but nobody ever thought you could do it in real life. But uh, turns out, it turns out you can't. I, I think it's only a last lap move, though. You can't do it every I lap. I think it's yeah, probably I think only it's last pretty last corner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The question is, is someone else going to try to do it? It's like the lacrosse goal, the mm-hmm. Michigan and hockey. Now that somebody's yep. done it, more people do it more often. And is it going to be a race to the wall for that last one, where the leader of the so you're leading, so you've got to be close to the wall so no one can slide by you, but at the same time, it opens up people to pass you on the other side. It's fascinating stuff. Okay, Brendan Kelly, um, did you notice that Ryan O'Donnell just kind of glazed over that last little thing there for that last line? Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah I did. Yeah. Uh, he did not I come in third place this weekend. Uh, according to Ryan O'Donnell, he came in 3D place. Oh, oh, well, okay, i got to give you one. Is that a typo? Welcome back. I mean, it's just missing an apostrophe, but... We missed you. Uh, when Bianca was filling in, there was one. There was Are one? Okay, typo? One. <sighs> I'm kind of happy to know that. Did you play the typo sound? or did you, did you say We did for that one, yeah. Okay, good, yeah. good, good. Yeah, it's consistency, right? <laughs> is that just... what it is? Reliability? <laughs> it's rely. The listeners deserve to have consistency. That's yeah. my job as a producer. Yeah. The listeners deserve to have consistency. This is the Shift Podcast. Uh, good morning. Thank you for being a part of the Shift. Last night here on the program, we did go to Ukraine and we had some conversations more around the business of what what day to day business is like. And tonight on the Shift, I wanted to get into um, a couple of other things. Some news has changed, and I have questions. Stephen Berko is um, he's a student of the law, he's a practitioner of the law, and he's a, a Ukrainian in Kiev that is standing up for what the future of Ukraine sounds like. And Stephen Berko joins us now here uh, on the Shift. Stephen, how are you? Hello, Shane. I'm good, and I'm happy to hear you. I'm uh, I'm uh, a little disappointed we don't get to see your handsome mustache on the Zoom call today. Um, I do like it when you jump on our Zoom call from time to time. Just saying, feel free. Then we get to see that that glorious mustache yeah, of yours. Maybe next time because we're having uh, some troubles with uh, uh, internet when uh, we have power cuts. So I wasn't sure I'll have a good internet connection. 
Well, I was going to ask that for you. Um, you know, we talked about the business of trying to do business uh, in and around your office. Uh, those things last night on the show, and it, it did get me thinking about you and trying to be a dad and trying to be a husband and and a friend. And then on top of it, you're you're trying to be you know a uh, you know a lawyer and and you're trying to take all of those things and you're also just trying to be a Ukrainian and you juggle all those jobs all at the same time. And I thought maybe we could talk about that today because these power outages have been becoming more frequent. They've been longer and um, a little less consistent as, as planned. Maybe you could help us understand for those that are just joining us here, Stefan Berko, what is it like in Kiev right now for power and how many times a day does it go out? Okay. So basically it's, it's been a month since Russia started hitting these uh, power power grid, uh, our power grid and power stations, and we were experiencing these power cuts, it was um, a bit chaotic first few weeks. Now we're having this schedule, which we can rely on. Basically, <clears throat> we're having three times in 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 a, in a day in 24 hours when we have power cuts uh, four hours each so we have this schedule and it's every day it's it's different so it's like uh, um, for example at 8 a.m uh, is 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 the hour when you either have uh, your electricity uh, until 8 a.m and that means you have to do all your house um uh, stuff like cooking food, uh, cooking breakfast, and uh, having shower and stuff until 8 a.m. because you'll you'll have no electricity after 8 a.m. and that means no uh, water. Uh, so uh, after having this schedule, uh, it became more. Uh, uh, I would say it became easier to predict and easier to plan your day. Of course. Uh, Power companies, they don't always follow the schedule because, uh, uh, of course, there are some difficulties and um, they can they can cut uh, your power like a few minutes earlier before the schedule. But that means you you tend not to use elevators (laughs) because you you never know when 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 uh, you don't want to get stuck inside and you never know when it will happen. Uh, of course, this is difficult because um, you have to plan everything in advance. So basically, just in case you prepare your tea, morning tea, uh, at night before the, the day before, then you put it in like a special um, thermal cup or thermal thermos, and you keep it there. Uh, yeah, and cooking, cooking is especially if you have an electric stove, not gas stove. It's an it's it's a, a challenge because on one side you have to remember to not use too much electricity, but at the same time there is no other way for you to prepare your meal. Uh, I mean, Stepan Berko is joining us from Kiev, Ukraine, and sometimes it does cut out from time to time. And what he was speaking about is power outages and, and power burps and, and changes that they're going through. Shouldn't be surprised that sometimes these things uh, do hiccup for us. Uh, Stephanie, you were saying preparing your uh, tea and preparing your food. Uh, what's that like for you with these power outages? Yeah, you, you, you just have to you you just have to do everything in advance. Of course, you can go to a restaurant, 
for example, just last weekend, me and my wife, we had some time for our, ourselves. So uh, we decided to go to a restaurant. But because there are power cuts all over the city, uh, many restaurants are not ready to... to uh, they cannot cook while they have no electricity. So, mm. yeah, it, it's, it, it's kind of... Mm, challenging but at the same time <clears throat> people are uh, thinking about uh, you know living in these new conditions uh, they are buying some electric um, generators uh, for themselves unfortunately in apartment houses uh, like we live in you cannot use a generator with diesel or, or gas so <clears throat> we are thinking about buying some uh, batteries like uh, big batteries to to supply mm -hmm. at least our like, heating house heating, just uh, in case uh, we have some gruesome situation, uh, worse situation uh, during during winter. So people are trying we to have... think in advance and coming up with some uh, solutions of these power um, shortages. Well, we have here. Uh, I'm assuming you would your own version of it as well. You know, battery packs, little things. They they look about the size of a wallet, and uh, you can use that, and it'll get you a couple of charges on your phone, right? So you could fill that up with power. There's the bigger ones that would do some of the things you're speaking of. Bigger battery packs that you could charge up when you have electricity, and and probably give you enough power to to run the kettle or or something like that, and keep things warm. It's it's absolutely fascinating. Stephen Berko's in Kiev, Ukraine. Can you tell me more about date night? I'm guessing that. That must be really special for you and your wife. I mean, not okay. For those who don't know Stepan and haven't met Stepan yet, Stepan is a young father, and um, and you know when everything started, his wife and his child left the country. Stepan stayed behind because you know he's of the age and wasn't allowed to leave. And then you, you know, so you, you're a young dad. Not to be lost in the fact that this is war zone and power cuts and all these things going on. You're a young dad when you're a young parent and then all of a sudden a baby comes into your life it is really really difficult for normal parents on a normal day to stay connected you know work on your relationship have time together all of those things so you know to make date nights everyone's got jobs everybody's working all those things how special is it for a night like that to be able to go to a restaurant i'm assuming in the last eight months there hasn't been a whole lot of date nights for uh, mr and mrs berko yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's uh, <clears throat> it's really hard to uh, you know drag your attention uh, from from everything that is going around and uh, uh, organize like a peaceful date or a peaceful time with even with the family because you're constantly thinking about what's going on and uh, with the security situation. But um, I mean, you cannot last that long without any um, opportunity to just relax at least uh, uh, somehow so um, you you just decide to 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 pick a time and hope that there will be no air siren right. <laughs> during your planned uh, either date or a walk in the park um, mm -hmm. of course uh, this is not easy but um, I think you just have to accept it. Uh, for my wife, um, she, she told me that 
it's really hard for her to to imagine how will we last through winter with these uh, uh, power cuts and uh, some maybe even problems with the uh, you know heating and and, and food uh, uh, preparing food and stuff. Uh, but my my answer is just you you have to prepare for the worst. But also you have to accept the situation. Uh, the, the winter lasts only uh, about three or four months. This is not forever. So eventually spring will come. Uh, we just we just have to be ready to have less comfort, more challenges. Um, yeah, it's uh, I, I can the only way to to cope with it. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I, I think I can I can feel your tone i can feel the um the uncertainty about it but yet there's a bit of a an air of confidence about you know we're just going to have to find our way because that's really the only way and it makes me think of young couples when you think of young couples just in general after getting married and having babies and all those things it's not always easy uh you know through your circle of friends and the people around you i know through covid we saw it here when you had lots of couples that ended up spending a lot more time together than they normally would you you, you guys are getting that extended now it must be, you know, you see with your circle of friends and those kinds of people, some of them probably really accelerate with more time with their partner because they like each other. And then um, probably some other friends and family members that might be struggling because <laughs> maybe they don't like the company so much that they're spending so much time with that person. That must be difficult. Mm, you see, it's... Uh... Uh, I, th I think that uh, people who love each other, they have to find ways to um, accept uh, the way other uh, another person copes with this situation, because uh, it's it's really personal. Someone is ready to have less comfort. Someone is not used to that, and you just have to give time to 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 for a person to get accustomed to these new uh, circumstances. Uh, and of course, it's not easy for anyone. I mean, I'm a person, I'm always trying to uh, be calm and to reason myself. But um, because many things happen around, it's always, it's not always that easy. So, uh, but I, I told myself that I don't have to be too harsh on myself. So I just have to, uh, you know, keep some minimum um, and uh, not expect uh, neither from myself nor from anyone around too much. Uh, it's 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 difficult times, and people have to uh, deal somehow. And uh, if they're not strong enough, uh, you just have to accept it. And if you can, you can help. You should help them. If you have no, you know, inner resources to do that, you just have to uh, step. Um, back and give a person some time to think to to cope with the situation and uh, maybe uh, after some time it will be easier to communicate to to solve issues so you have to be um so to say patient <laughs> yeah. to yourself well, and to that. people around 
Well, imagine that in a marriage, people being empathetic and patient with each other. That's that's beautiful advice, I think, for everybody that you're giving right now. Stepan Berko's in Kiev, Ukraine. Now, let's talk about some of the hard business of the things that have been happening. I was reading some articles on BBC and CNN that says Ukrainian officials are starting to talk about these Iranian drones and some of these launch systems that have a, have arrived that Russia has subscribed to. And the headline reads, Ukrainian officials says Iranian ballistic missiles bought by Russia may need to be destroyed at their launch sites. Now, that's a different tone. That's a tone that is launch sites are, some of them are in Ukraine, but lots of them are in Russia. Does it, is it a conversation piece among Ukrainians as to how Ukraine has been steadfast in defending itself but not attacking Russia territory so much? Is this conversation about, you know, fighting back into Russia to interrupt supply chain, launch sites for rockets, all those things. Is this something that Ukrainians uh, talk about? Not particularly. Really? Uh, I think that for many Ukrainians, this is not a surprise. Uh, there have been many attacks on <clears throat> Russian cities like Belgorod and some others where they have their... Uh, some military facilities. The, these attacks were not that uh, much covered in media. Uh, maybe they were not that much devastating, but still, I mean, not officially, but what from what people think and what for for people analyze the news, our armed forces have been hitting Russian territory, official Russian territories, so not occupied by Russia, territory of Ukraine, but official Russian territory uh, for months. Um, so, of course, Russia denies it. They cannot uh, officially accept the fact that we have capabilities of hitting uh, some military um, targets on their territory. Uh, they also this also harms their public appearance in in Russia because it's it will show that Russian military is not capable of protecting their own territory. Um, but I think this, if this has to come, it will come, uh, because ballistic missiles are really, really hard to, um, to, to hit when they're already in flight and Ukraine doesn't have <clears throat> capabilities to do that. And that is why I think our officials are communicating these messages that if they, or when they get these missiles, and we have no other means of protecting our citizens, we will be forced to, to attack these uh, sites on the territory of Russia or Belarus. It is uh, it is very difficult, and as we like to do, uh, Stepan, I mean, you know this best. You are in Kyiv. You are, you know, Ukrainian, and you've sat through all of this. You moved to Lviv. You moved back to Kyiv. The prospect is that if these power, you know, outages continue, there could be another move in the future, all of that sitting in front of you. What do Canadians need to know, uh, political or otherwise, feel free, what do Canadians know need to know that that maybe we don't hear through mainstream media all the time that you that you would like us to know today i think one message that i would like to convey is that <clears throat> it seems that ukrainians are ready to live through this winter and we understand that it will not be easy uh, but we hope that 
anything that happens in Ukraine uh, with um, um, with the uh, infrastructure and the humanitarian situation will not uh, convince Western democracies and uh, Canada as well and Canadian uh, society as well to to call for negotiations just for the sake of negotiations because you don't um, you don't conduct negotiations when you're in a state of weakness and what Russia is trying to do right now is to force Ukraine into negotiations by destroying our infrastructure to make us weak and that then use this weakness uh, at the negotiation table. Uh, I think we, we just have to live through this winter um, as it is. I think Ukrainians are ready. Uh, everybody's just planning some plans B in, in case uh, we have, uh, you know, a worse, a, a much worse situation with the electricity and stuff. But it's it's really important that international society does not uh, step back in our support. And we also need support not 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 like one hundred percent military support, but we also need right now support in um, renovating this infrastructure power grid that has been hit by Russia. Um, and and uh, I think many countries that are not willing to step in that much with military support can do much more in, in, in this, in part of renovating Ukrainian infrastructure. I hope that these Russian uh, strikes uh, and worsening humanitarian situation in Ukraine will uh, only uh, strengthen those voice, voices in Western democracies to, to support our country. Stephen Merko is in Kiev, Ukraine. Thank you, brother, for being here. Thank you, Shane. This is the Shift Podcast. I regret to inform you this is going to be the last time that Handy Andy is going to be on the shift. Um, and the reason why is there is a backyard gardener in St. Catharines, Ontario, Angelo Bergio. Angelo Bergio, who grew a zucchini 93 inches long. Wow. A zucchini almost eight feet. So um, uh, we're going to cut Andy loose here and we're going to. He said his that- original seeds are from Sicily, brought well, to Canada hope- 40 years ago. I hope he collected those seeds. If you have a contact, can you please get me at least a, a handful of those seeds, Shane? Like, could you imagine the things I would do with that zucchini if I could get my hands on it? I would just, I would get, I would make records. I would even, you know, beat that record next year. Uh, I right. keep well, that genetic going for, for centuries. Trust me. I'm going to post this up at shiftheads.ca like we do so you too can see the zucchini that Andy would like to get his hands on. Um, how you doing, buddy? Ryan I'm good. I'm good. That, Vegas, that kind eh? of sounds funny, but yeah, well, it's true. You know, I, true. I'm all about you know getting good genetics from um, varieties because I really want to keep them in the family so that in future generations they can be like you know this has been passed on. Don't lose these genetics for these tomatoes or or these zucchini. 
Um, that would be kind of a cool story. You imagine that if like you, somebody, your grandfather, when you're like 16, gives you seeds and says, this has been passed down. That's a, that'd be a cool little heirloom story for families. I think so. Um, Ryan was in Vegas. He uh, did you proud with glow sticks. And um, that's why the disco song that introduces Andy, by the way, is because of many a Vegas story. So, um, so yeah, Ryan, you, uh, you, you felt proud. You did, do you feel like you did Andy proud down there? Did you? I- I think I did. I think getting back to my hotel room after being awake for uh, 24 hours, drinking old fashions and uh, stumbling, falling into the elevator would would make Andy proud. Oh, there you go. Yeah. See, yeah. Ryan, you're young. You Your body can handle that. See, I'm, I'm retiring from all the debauchery oh, yeah. that I would do at Vegas. Um, I, I just can't literally stomach it anymore. I'm, I'm getting too old for this stuff. Mm hmm. Getting too old. Listen to you. I love it. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, handy, the handy, handy, Andy does, um, <laughs> he does some DIY. He does some gardening. He does some technology, does so much more. And he does post his videos at shiftheads.ca. By the way, let's get started with, um, mobile phones and hackers. I know you've been talking about the hacking quite a bit. So what, what do you got going on here? Yeah, I have been, people have been trying to hack me for so many times, Shane, that I I finally had to figure out like what is going on. And so I had a chance to talk to a cybersecurity expert. It's a fellow named Brian Hoogley from a company called Side Channel. He provides like cybersecurity for businesses so they don't get breached. And he used to work for the DOD in the Department of Defense in the US. So I asked him, I'm like, you got to explain what is the psychology of these hackers? Everybody's trying to hack me through my phone. Who are these people and why are they doing it? Is it because of money? Are they in their, their parents' basement and they have nothing else to do? Like they have no life. Tell me why are people making all these hacks? And what he told me really surprised me. He goes, the hackers that, that are trying to get into our phones or into our bank accounts, they're professionals. They work for companies. He's like, they have HR departments, they have managers, they have shifts. He goes, they, they actually go into a building and, and they act like it's a real job, but that is their job. And so it's a very professional type of organization. Of course, everybody is talking on the dark web. You might have a hacker in one group suddenly have these skills and gets recruited to another group, just like you would have it in a general, uh, you know, industry where you get kind of uh, taken from one company or your competitor. And, you know, it kind of shocked me. And we started talking and I was like, you know, since you work for the DOD, I'm like, tell me about TikTok. What, what's your thoughts on TikTok? Because we talk about a lot on this show, how all the young people are getting their news on it. And he doesn't allow his daughter on TikTok. And the reason why is because if you look at the the terms of what TikTok is actually doing, they're, they're looking at every keystroke. They understand when you open your phone, how long you've been on your phone. And all of this information is going back to China. And because the parent company ByteDance is in China and based in China, the Chinese government at any point in time could ask them, give us access to your data. And what he was telling me, Shane, was that in different regions for TikTok, you'll see different things. In China, and I just saw this on 60 Minutes uh, earlier today, in China, they're showing kids on TikTok. They have a 40-minute limit to, to be on TikTok. And the videos they're seeing is like astronomy and science, whereas people in North America are watching dance videos and, and what have you. And now when you ask kids in North America, what do you want to be when you grow up? Young kids, 
a lot of them say they want to be an influencer. You ask that same question to kids in China, they say they want to be an astronaut. They want to be a scientist. And it's because they're they're showing their kids different content than what we're getting shown. And I think that's the danger of TikTok because they figured out how to get young people's attention and and they're basically feeding them what they want. And often kids don't really want it or they, they tend to want to watch stuff that they really shouldn't watch. They're not watching science videos. They're just watching dance videos. And so I, I just want people to really think about TikTok, especially for young people. Uh, second guess it, it's, um, I'm actually quite surprised that governments have allowed this to go for this long. But I know in Europe, the European Union, they're, they're starting to fight back and pull back on TikTok because everybody's asking, where is this data going and what are they using this data for in the future? The thing that I wonder about with this is when is someone going to come out with a copy? I mean, they probably are out there that some sort of copy that is domestic in some fashion, Western domestic, or maybe democratic uh, domestic in that it's from a place where the data is secured and it's using. I mean, I don't want to say that Facebook's good because it's not. Um, I don't want to say that any of them are good because they listen to the things that we're saying or whatever, but at least there are sta- storage standards and privacy standards. And we all know that some of these companies also take that data and ship it to server storage locations that are in locales that have different privacy rules where they, they process it there and then, then take the data back and say, well, we, you know, this is the whatever version incorporation of the company. So there's all kinds of nefarious going on. But if there was a duplicate of TikTok that came out or someone created their own version of that, could they manage to swing enough people over? And I, it, I don't know, man. It's But we also said that about Facebook. We also said there's no way anyone's going to top Facebook, right? And look what's been happening. So I, I'm just surprised at just how fast TikTok has taken off. Um, and I think it really comes down to that algorithm, that algorithm and the way that they designed it, Shane, there's no pause. Like you scrolling from one video to the next, you get hooked, you get sucked in and time, time just goes by. You, you don't realize it. I see Ryan nodding his head. Ryan, you, how, how often are you on TikTok? I'm really curious because I don't go on it any, on anymore because I think it's too dangerous. Mm, how often? Okay. Let me say it's a pipeline, right? So it's usually when I go to bed, right? So I'm probably in bed 3.20 a.m. my time, and I go, all right, I'm going to watch a few TikToks, and then hopefully I'll fall be asleep by 4 o'clock. Next thing I know, it's 4.20 in the morning. Ooh, yeah. whoops. And uh, it's and now, look, a lot of it's fun, but sometimes you just scroll through garbage, but you can't stop. He's like, maybe I'll find something better. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it is a pipeline. You get sucked. To, actually, it's better. It's, it's more like a toilet. It's more like being flushed down a toilet. That, that would be my comparison. It is like a toilet. I mean, I always say that. Just, I mean, do you love it? I mean, if you're watching videos on model trains because you love model trains, then give her. Spend an hour watching videos about model trains. But if you're just slipping through and you're like, oh, cute baby elephant. Oh, guy fell off the motorbike. Oh, wow. A whole hamburger in his mouth. Oh, right. A girl in a bikini. Oh, like if you're just literally death scrolling and not chasing something that you love, and I would translate to that to all things in life, you are wasting your life away just like mind numbing. You might as well be drunk. You might as well be high. You might as well because that's what you're doing. 
And so I don't judge you for it. I'm just saying, don't say to me that we don't have enough time in our lives to get our jobs done or keep our houses clean or go to work or chase that dream side hustle or, you know, take that little extra study that gets you the new diploma or whatever it is. If you're spending six hours a day desk scrolling, it's crazy. Yeah. The, the best way to do it is I, I call it backcasting. So you, you, you try to imagine like your last breath, like when you're on your deathbed, no one's going to say, you know, I wish I spent a little more time on social media. That's my biggest regret. No one would ever say that. So taking that for granted, now you backcast and say, what kind of life do I want to live? So I don't ever say that on my deathbed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the problem. We, it is so easy because we, we're never bored anymore. We have, you know, entertainment sitting in our pocket and we get into that habit, just like Ryan said, before he's going to sleep. And next thing you know, he's up an hour. I had the exact same experience with TikTok. Shane, as you know, I started jumping rope and people were like, you got to go on TikTok to watch jump rope videos. So I joined. And next thing you know, I'm not even jumping rope because I'm up all night just watching people jump up and down. And that's when I was like, wow, this is powerful. This algorithm knows what I like and it's just feeding the beast. And I'm like, if I was 15 15 years old, I would be completely hooked. And I had within a week, Shane, I had to delete it. And that's when I realized like, wow, I get it. I get why people are hooked on TikTok. I don't, it's uh, dangerous. I don't even open it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, things, if you're over 50 quickly here in a minute, if you could, things, if you're over 50, what you need to know. Yeah. So if you are over 50, of course, you have a smartphone these days. One, I got three different tips. One, you want to turn on the emergency and health settings. So you could actually put all your health information inside the health app, inside the Apple uh, health app, and also in the settings on Android. So if you go into the settings, you put all your emergency contacts in the event, say you have low sugar and you faint and somebody grabs your phone, you could actually set it so that the emergency contact information will come up on your locked screen. So that's a really good thing to do. Second, if you're not using cloud storage, you want to make sure you set that up so you don't always run out of storage on your phone. And then the third one, you can go in your settings and you can silence unknown callers because scammers are always trying to you know, call you or, or text you. You can actually set it up in your phone that you don't uh, receive anything from numbers that you don't recognize. And those are just three ways if you're over 50 to protect yourself, both for your health and for preventing yourself from being scammed. Because every, I'm getting a lot of random text messages from people and they, it's like a wrong number, but they try to make conversation. And if that Mm -hmm. ever happens to you, that's a scammer. They're trying to build rapport with you, and then they're going to pull a scam later on. Cold, snowy on the west side of the country, and then the center of the country, Ontario, beautiful. Got to love this place, man. It is so different no matter where you go. Uh, You can travel. If you're traveling across Canada right now, every time zone is a different climate. You need different clothes for every city you go to. That's for sure. All right. Uh, we are talking about social media. We are talking about the impact of all the things that are going on with Handy Andy Barrar. Uh, HandyAndyMedia.com. Andy, there's been so many changes. In fact, layoffs all over the place. They figure that Wednesday is death day at um, yep. Facebook. Yep. And, and um, so there's more coming, but we, we're going to talk a little bit more centric on Twitter. Less Twitter users in this world, that's for sure. And if you're not on Twitter, I, I, I'm not going to encourage you to get onto it uh, because it's quite dreadful. I mean, I, I keep my stuff filtered pretty tight where I only follow people that I care about, but it just keeps sending me, you know, oh, hey, Ryan liked this and that I would like that, except there's some peripheral people that 
Boy, you want to see someone's, you know, kind of deep, dark secret habits of the things they like and follow? Yeah. Boy, oh boy, it exposes you like crazy. Oh, you so, have to be very careful what you like because everyone else and your followers are going to eventually find see out. Like, feed. yeah. And and I see d- guys do it all the time because guys are dumb. Look, we're guys, we're stupid. And so guys will be on Twitter and you know what they're doing. They're flipping through p- pictures of pretty girls. Yes. And they'll be like, 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 like. And then all of a sudden, a guy like me that's like four degrees of separation. Yeah. All of a sudden gets, you know, hey, Bob Smith liked this picture in this bikini, right? And you're like, okay, stop sending me more things that Bob Smith likes. So, I mean, it really does expose people in quite a terrible way. It's a great way to send instant little bits of information, though. So if you can have the self-control on it, then maybe give it a go. Let's talk about the fact that Elon Musk has taken over it and people are bailing. To, which I think is dumb. I mean, they're bailing before they even know. They're being dramatic. Yeah. Come on, people. Let's not be so dramatic. But they're going to a place called Mastodon. What is Mastodon? Yeah, so you, you might, people might have heard of this. Mastodon is supposed to be an alternative to, to Twitter. And on paper, Shane, it sounds great. It's completely decentralized, meaning nobody really owns it. Nobody really controls it. Um, so like, it's not, it's, it's a hundred, a 180 degrees from, what Twitter is right now with Elon Musk, he calls all the shots. With Mastodon, nobody calls the shots. It's kind of like a democracy in social media. But the way it works is because it's decentralized, people have to set up their own server to host it. So it doesn't live in any one place. It's kind of like what the internet is, where all these different servers kind of connect and you can kind of bounce around. But the problem with Mastodon, and I've been looking this, I've been watching people try to migrate over is when you sign an account, you have to pick a server in the world. And so for me, I'm like in Vancouver. So I'm like, oh, let's find me a Vancouver server. But there isn't any because it's kind of a small social network. So I had to pick a server out in Scotland and then it becomes part of your user handle. It's very, very confusing to get into it. Once you're on it, it has that same feeling of Twitter where you can put send messages, you can reply, you can kind of like retweet it. Um, but a lot of people are getting a really bad first impression trying to get onto this new social network. And it kind of just shows you that things in theory, where it sounds like a decentralized social network, while it sounds good, it's really hard to implement. Because when I'm looking at this Mastodon, I'm like, what they need to do is make it look and feel like Twitter. They need to reduce the friction for you to sign up and to, to basically take all your followers and encourage them to move over. But it's not like that. And because it's decentralized, how are you going to make changes? How are you going to make quick changes? Where if you go on the other side of the fence, you look at what Elon Musk is doing. Boy, is that guy making changes really quick. He's going to implement that checkmark thing for $8 after the the midterm elections, which are going to happen tomorrow. So Twitter is going to look a lot different. It'll be interesting to see what happens when that blue checkmark goes away and he's asking people to pay for it for $8. These uh, these technology pieces and and it's all fine and dandy. The the democratic approach was something that Twitter tried to do. They tried to be democratic, right, with it. And they're like, it's not very democratic of him to take over and blah blah blah. I'm like, nope, that's because he owns it. He bought it now. There's no more democracy. And I don't think there should be democracy in business anyway. It's not how it works. But um, that switch though with the blue check, you used to have to prove that you were who you were. For example, I was not able to prove that I am Shane Hewitt. 
in their eyes. Uh, I was not cool enough to be verified. But now for $8 US a month, I can now be verified with a check mark, which was the idea was to keep the bad people away. Only got 15 seconds for you, buddy. Yeah, so I would like to see what happens when those blue check marks get away. Will anybody pay for it? Most people say they won't. But we'll see. We'll have to see what happens once that blue check disappears and if they feel um, insignificant or not and, you know, penny up and try to pay for to get it back. Well, the significance of it is evident because they're waiting till after the election. So no fakies come out there. So we shall see. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you being here. Thanks, Shane. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.